you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Transferring from... Uh, oh, okay. 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 So, so go ahead. No, go finish your thought. We, we we started talking some tech stuff, so let's... We were going to talk cars and tech anyway and yeah, exactly. travels. So go ahead. Continue yeah. your thought. So a little bit, you know... Uh, all the transitions that we're going through, you know, like we, one of the things we talked about uh, in your talk yesterday was things have changed drastically. So you, whatever skills I learned when I was a computer guy back in the late seventies and then going to today, how much of that is just, I learned the underpinning of how to write a good programming. And I learned enough computer languages so that I can write in COBOL and Fortran and P, you know, PL1 and PLC and C and C++ and C sharp and all that stuff. But expecting your COBOL skills to come in handy nowadays is kind of ridiculous, unless you're exactly in that situation where a big bank, big iron is still running COBOL and their last good COBOL programmer just got hit by the bus <laughs> and they need someone to come in. And, you know, um, uh, a lot of that is happening, not only in the computer field. So about cars, you know what I mean? It used to be yeah. that mechanics were really good at, hey, let's listen to the car. Oh, that is like sounds like a carburetor knock. Now there's no carburetors. There's no, there's nothing to hear. It's all solid state. And yet there still has to be some skill that you gain over the course of time so that we've talked about troubleshooting before. You know what I mean? You want to be like, I can make a good guess relatively quickly instead of just starting at A and going through to Z. And every time that it's a T problem, it's like, man, I had to go through A to S to get there. Well, right. not if you're better, not if you're smarter at how to divide the solution space in half and do things that'll give you the most information quickly. So you've been having car oh. issues lately. Yeah. And are they diagnosable or is it like well, so many things are becoming, hey, it's broken. I'm going to get a new one. You know what I yes. mean? <laughs> well, here, so here, uh, and you know, we've all been, in this situation, probably most of the people I know, you know, haven't been fortunate enough to start at age 16 and buy a $40,000 new car every four years. Right. That's you know, dependable. And yeah, yeah exactly. we've all had the, clunk. <laughs> yeah. And, and due to some circumstances, not my choice, uh, I ended up with like the worst car out of the whole family. Um, oh boy. partly because I don't drive it a lot, but partly be for other reasons, other people ended up with different cars. Yeah. So, a car that's not super wasn't super well maintained before I got it, and it's slowly been disintegrating. <laughs> so, yeah. let let me give you the the problems with the car, and this is different. This is a PT Cruiser, and it is so difficult. Like my serpentine belt was screeching and rubbing, and it broke, and I could not get a new serpentine belt on there. I couldn't even find where it went at first. You basically have to pull the whole engine to get the serpentine belt on. Boy, that's like the stereotype of bad things. In order to change spark plugs, you yeah. got to drop the transmission or whatever. You know, it's like, what? Right. Okay. You know, this is why I don't like working. So my poor car. Now, last weekend, uh, you've been traveling. I was traveling last weekend. So we've had travel going on. Right. So last weekend, I, I drove to go camping. My car needs new headlights. That's common. Uh, if I don't have my brights on, I've only got one headlight. So dim, you know how that goes. You've had that okay. issue. I'm sure okay. I've got a cracked windshield. Okay. Um, and, uh, I, I got tickets. Unfortunately, you know, the police will like, if they pull you over for anything, they'll get you for all that stuff. Unfortunately. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Okay. I know. So it's not, I don't drive it a lot. Um, okay. And um, it does tend to start to overheat. It's really weird. I think it's got a leak and it'll start to overheat and then go bing and come back down. So I think it's a combination of a leak and a thermostat issue. Okay. Uh, but it's like, man, this car's not worth a lot. I don't want to keep putting money into it. Even money those, to keep it running. Yeah. yeah. Even those little things. And then last week I got a flat driving Colin to work. And the guy, I couldn't get the spare tire down. Uh, he had to come and break it. It was so rusted on there. And then he oh. goes, that has too much rust. I, I can't legally put that on your car. And he said, uh, so I had to take the, 
the tire that had the puncture to go get plugged and they said instead of running on a spare exactly yeah, oh, they man. said well this tire is too worn and has some dry rot and the rims too rusty we can't fix it uh legally so i patched it myself and just oh, like okay. yeah because i'm not okay. driving it a lot i'm in looking for a car actively yeah. i just needed yeah. it to run for a week or two so then coming back from my cousin's uh, I stopped to get gas and I looked down and the tire has a bulge in it. And I'm like, you know, 120 miles from home. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord. Please and hold outside wall. Please don't. Exactly. Yeah. Don't okay. blow. Then I'm driving. It starts raining. And I know I need windshield wipers. Again, it's common. I'm not you know, saying the car's falling apart because of windshield wipers. But, you know, they're a little bit they're grabbing okay. yeah you know oh. and it's pouring buckets and and then my windshield wipe goes zoom and flies off and i'm like ah so i pull over run in the rain hoping i'm not gonna get hit get the windshield wiper and i have to like bend it and duct tape it to get it to hold on oh, enough to see <laughs> and duct tape doesn't hold very well in buckets of rain it will hold but not great Oh my God! You're yet, a I homo, turn, Steven. I, You're a homo trying to put I duct am. tape and, and pipe cleaners and. I, I turn the flashers <laughs> off, and the right blinker stays lit. It, it won't flash. It won't blink. It won't do anything. It just stays lit solid. So, so with all the rain, some kind of electrical problem, and until it dries out, you've got oh right. man. So yeah, that was. So then I'm down to one car in the house. So I, I was borrowing my mother's car. But she had to take my father to the doctor. So, and that, you know, how doctors go, especially with patients with a million problems, it took longer. And I'm just like, oh, this is not, I need a car, you yeah. know? And then of course, work and everything's been uh, amped up with just tons of stuff. So it's like everything well, like, colliding. So yeah. that it's not, you know, right. okay. and then it's a holiday weekend, but I'm working at the comic store this weekend. So I can't go out and look at cars. So I'm just like, I, I need a de-stressor. Okay. So, so that's a nice segue into yeah. you don't have to go out looking at cars nowadays. I mean, I see ads and on, on the web and on TV all the time for on your phone, on, on the screen, go to Car Carvana. Right. You can find all kinds of things and they like drop it off at your front door, right? Yeah. They yeah. up with the, the, the reverse Holloway, you know what right. I mean? So, so you got I mean, you got a hybrid a couple years ago, right? Yes, we, we now have two. So, so we, we what was your process? Did you look online? Did you just go out or look at consumer reports and find it and then just find the closest dealer? You know what? Because I know nerds, we like to research. We like to get every little detail finalized. Exactly. So it's kind of funny for the first one, the Prius C, um, I, I did do a lot of consumer reports and, and auto mags looking for, I was especially looking for dependable plus gas mileage. You know what I mean? I, I really wanted to kind of get off the gasoline treadmill and hybrids were the way to go. And they'd be, Priuses had been out for like 10 years now. So you knew that they were of quality. Consumer reports had one of those things where they're one of the most reliable, not only in initial quality, but 10 years later, you know, they're all, they're all still running. And whatever they had talk about for hybrids, changing out the battery pack that they were lasting longer than they thought that they would. A good convenience happened or a coincidence, better word. Uh, Colleen and I, we've been, we had been uh, doing our um, seeing all the state capitals type things. And we had actually taken a trip down to Texas to see Texas and Oklahoma and Louisiana. And uh, we were cheap and got a, a Yaris, a Toyota Yaris. So it's like, you know, I kind of barely fit in there, but I do. Um, but that's, it was exactly the same body type as a Prius C. So I could buy a Prius C confident that it wasn't going to be, I'm eating my elbow. I can't get my right. foot, my, uh, my leg past the firewall, whatever else it might be. So besides already thinking, we wanted to do hybrids and checking into who's got good ones. Um, I'm a member of Costco and Costco has a great auto buying program. They get it down to like, you know, the best deal with various different dealers, kind of the proverbial $50 over dealers invoice type things. They really have done all the negotiation for you that you don't have to worry about, well, I'll see what I can do. Let me go talk to my manager in the back. So we found um, a, a local dealer that had this one, uh, a, a silver on the lot. And uh, it's kind of funny. A lot of people, it's like, what kind of car do you want? I want red. It's like, oh, there's so much more to a car than what flavor it is. Can you please not do that? Well, Colleen was okay about, she had, she always had blue cars. She likes blue. But when we saw this was right available and we got a great deal. And the reason that it was 
all the research that we have been doing up till then was suddenly similar situation, absolutely time to do it. Colleen Saturn was sitting out on the street when a guy ran a light, smashed into a car that smashed into hers, that smashed her car into the one behind. So her car was declared total. It really was kind of caved in at both ends and just, so we really had to find a car quickly because Colleen drives for a living, you know, with her job. Right. Um, all that came together so that we knew the cars we wanted. We found this one for a really good price and, and pulled the trigger. And then the, the Prius C proved to be so good so comfortable, so low, great gas mileage, so dependable, no problems whatsoever, that then when we were looking, um, Colleen also, through her business, has a, a program called, doesn't matter, let's Lindsberger or something like that, where uh, you, you get all the depreciation of the car is covered by them taking care of a regular uh, allowance each month. So instead of you having to track mileage and all the kind of stuff, they just say, we'll pay you this month, but you have to have a new and up to four-year-old car. Oh, wow. Okay. So after we had had the Prius C for four years and had to get a new car, I was going to replace my Infiniti, by the way. I had an Infiniti I30T that was totally a Wednesday car. It lasted forever. I, I, I think I uh, sold it with 245,000 miles on it. It really was a great car. And so when we're looking at getting a replacement for that, it, it was, well, we really like the Toyota Prius C, but if we want to have like one um, local car and one touring car because we were still doing our driving vacation and stuff. We found that uh, we actually went to the auto show here in Cleveland. I think it's already passed. It's like February of each year. Yeah. We 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 let ourselves like I don't know. We were doing better monetarily. And we're like, well, let's go and like let's see what we like. Let's try them on. For Colleen and I being rodents of unusual size, you know, I'm six foot three and and three hundred pounds, and she's five foot zero and like 110. I shouldn't say that lady. So, <laughs> sorry. She weighs oh, I nothing. Thought, I thought she was only 97. Right. She's a piece of paper. She's like a little, she's a piece of popcorn. So we found that the new Prius um, fit both of us well. And the Prius for, for the first 10 years was like, it looked kind of like a throat lozenge. You know what I mean? It was uh, um, a, a big cylinder. The new one was looked much better, a little more sporty, a little more like a regular car, but still with all the right Priusy stuff and even better. So we got then a full Prius and they, at one point they had like the V was the wagon and the C was the city and you know, it had different versions. Um, and we've never regretted it. You know, we're now two Prius owners and each of them gets 50 to 60 miles a gallon all the time. And nice. it's had no problems whatsoever. Toyota, we took it to the dealer for all the various different maintenances until that was no longer um, the price Helpful. isn't always yeah. best if you stay yeah. with the dealer. But we have uh, Conrad's, you know, a big, a big chain here in Cleveland that, that has all of its people trained in how to do all that kind of stuff. And they do all the regular maintenance. So honestly, we, for all of, how things can go your way where a car really starts to be um, uh, a hazard or a, at least an inconvenience. We getting into this world of never a problem with the cars, good gas mileage, safety, you know, really high boy. It sure has been a, a two piece of mind purchases that I will, I'm so happy with. And probably are if, if the Prius C finally gets to the point of, um, fix or buy new, you know what I mean? That it actually starts, things start to fade away. We'll probably go with another Prius, though a lot of places are catching up now. So will, will Subaru finally have a good hybrid? Because they're another one of those places that like 92% of all Subarus are still on the road. You know right. what I mean? They build some things to last, whereas you don't want to go down into that. Every time I look at consumer reports and they have that whole chart of what's reliable, it's like, if anybody saw this chart, why in the world would you buy a Jeep? I don't care how much you want to be, you know, Mr. Mr. Desert Adventure or something like that. Your car's a POS that can't can't last more than well, 40,000 miles. But that's that's actually interesting <laughs> because we could probably do case studies on that. I think that's a big difference right there between the geekery nerd mindset Absolutely. and the general public or whatever. You know, the, the people that like are enthralled with watching the Kardashians and what happens on reality oh. TV like that. They're the ones that buy all the crappy Buicks yeah. and crappy yeah. GMC everything, that, Chevrolet everything. Absolutely. That's less important. Whereas, you know, 
if I, cars, many different items, heck, even the coffee maker and stuff, you know, it's like, okay, here's five coffee makers and it's within the price range I'm looking for. And here's the features and, oh, that one doesn't do this. Take it off the list. You know, then I'm not looking at the brand. I'm not looking at, uh, I, I have things I want it to do and features. So where can I get that for a good price? And that's how, you know, with the cars and that's where now in today's world with the online, it's so nice they have like auto trader and cars.com and car guru and carvana get a whole selection of cars from multiple dealers all in one place you know exactly. and, and figure out what you can really, really compare cool. apples to apples get what you want not you know and uh, uh, boy it's kind of funny you and i have talked about how advertising is of the devil it's just they've, they've so much found a way to make people make irrational decisions and especially about like a car is most people's second biggest purchase, right? The yeah. house and then the car. And they found a way to make a car like a fashion accessory instead of it's all about utility. It's all about dependability. So whenever, and here's, a, here's something, you know, I, uh, when I mentioned we were looking for a car, I had a number of people say, so you're going to buy American, right? It's like, man, for like 40 years, that hasn't been a concern for me. Right. Ever since Detroit was taking advantage of every American by not upping its quality, not having better models, not having better gas mileage, and, and Nissan and, and you, know, Toyo, you know, Toyota, Datsun, Honda, they were eating our lunch because they kept making what? A great car. They right. made a car that was 93%. Everything worked just fine. It had all the options without them being extra. So, I don't have any loyalty to someone who's actively trying to screw me because they're going to play on my patriotism. Let, you know what me, I mean? I, I don't want to oh, go into man. the politics because we could rant and go on politics for a lot. Right. But those people that say that, do they truly understand the state of the world? First of all, so many of our American car companies have built factories in other countries because it's cheaper labor. So are you really getting an American car? You're getting an American business that's using other countries so they can make a higher profit off the Americans that exactly. just want to buy American. Number two, not all foreign cars are built in the foreign countries. BMW has a North Carolina plant. So if I buy a BMW, Saturn's it's going to be That's right. you know manufactured and built in America. I can actually get a custom car and go down and watch it roll off the assembly line. They'll tell you when. Okay. So is that a German car or an American car, because the work is getting done in America. The company's just in Germany, whereas a Ford, the work's getting done in Canada or Mexico. It's just the company's in America. So what are you really doing? You're supporting corporations. Let's, you know, come on, what's wrong with corporations in America now? So, <laughs> well, another, you know, we, we started off saying how much things have changed in the last 40 years. Absolutely. The world of how to build a car, who does it, where do they do it? Like that's totally transformed. And yet you get people echoing what their grumpy father said when right. they were at 16 and looking at their first car, don't buy one of those rice burners. It's like, man, you know, I'm not buying a car so I can slap a flag de decal on it. I'm doing it so I can get safely to work, make sure my wife is safe, make sure my children right. are, you know what I mean? And, and like you said, oh. with the Jeeps, you know, low end that they're going to fall apart. So, okay. What you're really doing is you're supporting all the auto mechanics and auto stores. You know, that's pretty American right there. So good for yeah. you. You're spending yeah. more money to, uh, to help that. So, okay, I'll go with you. I'll tell you, one of the few things that might get us to break away from Priuses and Toyota is because Teslas are a great car. You know, the fact that someone actually took on kind of like we have a, a two-party system, you know, we have two big auto manufacturers and then a whole bunch of other smaller or foreign imports and a number of attempts at making like AMC tried and, and we can start naming the companies that kind of either got acquired or that died. But having said that, Tesla found the key. You know what I mean? If you, if you make it so that every part is solid state and really works well and the software that runs it keeps getting updated so your car actually gets better and better over time instead of being locked in at what you got when you got it, I, I'm really tempted by them. I mean, they were the one that when Consumer Reports rated them 100, perfect, they had to recalibrate their auto rating things because Tesla had topped out and they had to make room for improvement and stuff like that. Nice. As compared to Volkswagen, who actually were proven to be the guys that would put, they wrote software to defeat our emissions control testing. They, they actually like, we don't really, we don't want to be subject to your 
<laughs> wow. checking on whether your car is putting out too much pollution or not. So they actually, how many people had to say yes to get the software team to make it so that when it detects that it's on the, the you know, the treadmills that you put cars on to check it, we're going to have a special mode it goes into that defeats that. And I'll never buy a VW. Corporate wow. evil at, at the highest freaking level. You know, so I don't know. I, I'm sure that there's any number of horror stories we could go into from here, but yeah. at least about cars, it, it sure seems that there's good new information. There's all kinds of places to get that information about the quality of the car and of the pricing for the car. Right. And maybe that's one of those things where instead of being backroom dealing, you actually can get real capitalism, direct comparison as to what you're looking for and what the prices are. And you make the choice, not you right. get bamboozled into making well, the I honestly, I do not think I've ever bought and owned a brand new roll it off the lot car. I have gotten used my whole life. Sometimes it was necessity. Um, oh my God, my car broke down. I need one immediately. Here's how much I have and I can afford. Okay, great. I got that, you know, yeah. but a lot of times I just, I can't fathom walking in with this. Oh, look, $25,000 car. $450 a month payments for five, six years. Now they're seven to 10 years, you know, right. but our cars only go last you six. We um, saw truck ads for $91,000 on TV. We didn't, didn't, did we rag about that just a few weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, $91,000. Right. It's <laughs> like, I'm goes, not buying a Ferrari. Right. I'm buying a and the minute you drive it off the lot, it's not <laughs> worth 90. If you get in an accident, if you buy a brand new car, $20,000 car, and you you put two down, three down, five, whatever, and you drive it off the lot. Well, that car is really only worth fourteen thousand once it's the, purchased. Depreciation immediately kicks in. Yeah, if you get right. hit and they total the car, well, your twenty thousand dollar loan, you're only gonna get fourteen thousand from the insurance. Yeah. Why would I do that? That makes no sense to me. I can go get a two or three years used car for ten thousand less, and if it gets totaled immediately. I still might owe a little bit, but it's a couple hundred as opposed to 10,000, you know? Yeah. I, that's one of the great things that happened in our lifetime was that they started to have, it wasn't just a matter of, hey, I'm going to buy it for my uncle and he kept it in pretty good condition. So I hope that makes it good. They started to have places that really did the hundred point check that would say right. you're buying it and it really is gently used. It really, the, the previous owner ate the first $15,000 worth of depreciation. So even though you're buying a car with 10, 20,000 miles on it, it's still got 80. It's still got 80,000 miles for you to drive it. Consumer Reports has recommended that for a long time. Like, right. here are the best cars for two, three, five, ten, twenty thousand dollars 20000 And if you, you get it checked and you know that it only has had that first amount of use and wasn't in a flood and wasn't, you know what I mean? It didn't have all the things that could be kind of weirdly concealed. You can get a great car and save yourself ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 because yeah. somebody else that wanted the new car smell, they paid that premium. You don't have to pay that premium. Right. You know, so we and, did it for the Priuses because we had to, to meet Colleen's program uh, restrictions and, and, and same, uh, I guess I have bought a couple of new cars because I did the research and knew that if I bought this car and held on to it, I'm going to get a hundred, 150,000 right. miles out of this. The cost per year will even out over the course of time if I take care of it. And of course I change my oil. And of course I check my, all the, the, the perishables, if you will, you know, and my, my struts and brakes and all that kind of stuff. Right. Anyway, I, so, I've, I've gotten yeah. a couple of fleet cars where some company had it and it's got 10 or 15,000 miles on it. It's two or three years old, but you can easily get the records uh, with Carfax nowadays and see they changed the oil, they changed the oil, they got new struts, they got brakes and see all of that. It shows accidents. You know, fleet vehicles I like because they're usually well-maintained and they get rid of them early. So right. you get a good deal on it. Uh, yeah. And I've had very good success. You got to watch sometimes the car companies because if it wasn't an accident, they'll try and keep it and hidden or, and then the worst part is they, well, you know what? Uh, why don't we like, we can do the financing. Look, $101 a month. Well, yeah, but that's for 27 years. I can't, yeah, I'm not, so they try and trick you with that. And that's what the, the new nerdy way of doing it, where you look online and you can negotiate online. And, you know, it really has for me, I, I hate talking to the salespeople, you know, it, when they start pressuring me, I'm like, I'm going home. I'm, I'm not even doing this. 
and I know some people still have that thought in their head of, well, you negotiate. That's how you get the best deals. Like the, the Arabian marketplace, you know, right, everybody exactly. negotiates. <laughs> I'm just not built that way. It's like, look, if this car is worth 10,000 uh, as is, and I'm paying 12, the dealer's getting, you know, the other two, I'm okay with that, with them inspecting it, cleaning it, offering it for me. So I don't have to go find it in somebody's yard to buy. That's you know, right. I understand I'm paying for that service. The same as buying milk on the shelf. I could go to the farmer next door and get it cheaper, but they do everything on the shelf and I pay a little bit for that. It's yeah. that concept. <laughs> Honestly, I so I totally in agreement about it's worth like the service of them making sure that I'm not buying a pig in a poke, but that I'm buying something that's known to be of quality. Uh, and maybe and now it's segue time. How many things have we had lately that they were running just fine. We used to have baby formula was always available at the right quality because we had inspections and they had to meet a certain standard of quality. And you know what, when you, when you release that people from that obligation that you, that you eliminate all those monitors and all that, like now it, we don't have a baby shortage because any particular political figure has anything to do with baby formula, but we do have if you're going to loosen those restrictions, and now we have salmonella again in our peanut butter and our chocolate, and we have baby formula that's tainted, and we don't have to go back far to start seeing all the ways in which things have gone down in quality, because people really will, to make more money, cut a corner here and a corner there, and just not do... I kind of can't believe that someone who wants to be in the baby formula business would not say, my customers are babies. Is there anything more precious i can't believe that i would actually say well it might get a little green in there it might get a little salmonella in there i just can't believe that and yet we we've seen we've seen those movies you've seen the movies where they're in the closed door executive meeting with the lawyers they're like okay so what's what can happen here well you can reduce these standards and the accountant says well that'll save us a hundred thousand a year Great. Right. What's the lawyer? What's the problems? Well, you know, we're probably going to get a percentage increase of sick babies and possibly, well, how much would that cost us? Well, that's only going to cost you 20,000 a year. Great. Reduce the standards. We'll just handle that. We don't care about the babies and the people's lives. It's all money. And it so sounds cynical. And I'm sure people would say, well, that's not, but I think it's way more real than not. <laughs> Honestly, Stephen, ever since Pinto's, Ever since you, when it all <laughs> came out, exactly, it all came out how they had made that decision, and it followed exactly what you're saying. What's what's the savings we're going to make if we do this differently? What's the possible cost of lawsuits from people getting rear-ended and exploding? And they said, "Well, that's an acceptable trade-off." Yeah. Instead of no, no blowing up ever. Right. <laughs> no, we don't. Our cars just should not blow up. Right. So that that mentality of always having to be, there's always in capitalism, uh, price pressure, cost pressure, and how do you find the happy medium? But there's got to be that it's not only about that, that there's some kind of like reputation concern, whatever people used to be concerned about goodwill, or that you just didn't cross over a certain line. And honestly, I'm not even prepared to talk about it. But if we just sat back for a moment and said, think of all the things that have gone down enough in quality that now they're not just inconvenient, they're actually dangerous. Yeah, you what, know what I mean? And, and it's all around us. It's all, all those little inconveniences that it used to be, well, my, my, um, this doesn't work as well. It doesn't last as long. We used to make fun of planned obsolescence, that that's actually kind of how they designed products. Mad Magazine always had that. And I don't know that I can see why, depending on what you buy, you know, cheap versus expensive or low quality versus high quality, that you make that trade off yourself. You know, if I buy, I don't know, crappy shoes for 10 bucks as compared to better shoes for 50, I really do expect my $50 shoes to last five times as long. Um, but but actually now when it's like, well, that, the shoe didn't just like stop. Um, having a soul, it actually like blew up on my foot. I am making fun. So how about computers? How many, uh, you know, to geek it up, I have any number of things that it used to be that when you bought something and, and if it lasted the first, like if it lasted startup and lasted the first 10 days, you never needed to worry about extended warranties and right. all the computer mags and all the consumer reports would tell you that because if it lasted that long, it'll last kind of forever. And nowadays that really doesn't seem to be the case that the actual um, thermal paste they use to maintain the connection of the CPU or the memory to the motherboard is so minimal now that you really can 
get it cracking and things stop working. Enough dust gets in. They took the filters off the fans that you actually get dust effect. We laughed last night about, I, I saw a computer that had a shoebox worth of hair and dust inside of it. And like, oh, well. So yeah. that, that someone is making those decisions and somebody, there's all kinds of minions that are saying, okay, I'll carry that out. I'll cut it a little bit more in quality. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll start shipping things that are 70%. From what I understand, memory chips, all kinds of things, they have a certain uh, quality rate. And somebody said, well, you know, we, we used to sell at 98%. Now, if we go with 90, we're counting on the people that will just say, well, that's the way it is, as opposed to complaining vehemently about memory should last forever in my computer. And you kind of train people into... Um, helplessness or into not getting as pissed because now that we're in that um, computers have improved so much in the five years that I owned it, that I don't want to fix my old one. You and I laugh about, you know, how long we keep our technology. Sometimes something breaking is almost like an excuse to say, well, I wanted the new VCR. I didn't, and you know, I, I whatever, right. I, I, and let's go, let's go out. I'll get a little bit realistic. I wanted a new DVD player and I used to have the regular and now I have the Blu-ray and now I have the Blu-ray, but it also upscales and downscales and talks to your TV. So it really optimizes and you get, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I'm willing to spend another 300 bucks because I know that there's been lots of progress in the last five years and I wouldn't mind taking that opportunity to step up. Right. For a car. But, you know, I don't want to throw away a $20,000 thing. I'm willing to maybe throw away a $300 thing. Right. Oh, right. Uh, well, it, it, you mentioned the obsolescence. When was the last time you heard craftsmen pushing their, hey, if our tool ever breaks, bring it back? I, I haven't heard that for decades. You know, right. that used to be the signifier that we were they, by craftsmen. The next thing you could buy. Exactly. Yeah. You know, well, and you know, <laughs> computers. Sears dying took care of that. Now there's like Sears hardware. So they, yeah, that's a few things that lived past the demise of Sears because that really was the best things they made. Right. <laughs> Right. You know, they and were. with the computers, you know, um, I haven't seen so much improvement in the hardware stuff over the last five, six years that it's like, oh, I got to get another new computer now. You know, really, I'm I'm running. I can't win run Windows 11 on my current computer, but it's 12 years old. So uh, I'll yeah. give it that. I, I want to I'm going to segue back, jump a little bit since we're talking computers and talking obsolescence. That one of the problems right now with the car shopping is we've had the COVID issues, which are factory problems and shortages and supply problems and getting things yeah. delivered. I am having a very hard time finding a car that um, I, I is you know good mileage, you know looks like it's in good shape and all that. The lots are much more bare than they used to be, and we were talking to several, uh, you know. Uh, guys selling cars that the one place said, Oh, well, if we get anything under 10, we just ship it out to auction. We don't even bother anymore because that wow. we don't, the, the cars are in demand and we buy something for six. We're only going to sell it for 6,005. It's not worth it to us to spend to time on the lot spot on it, to take up time of theirs. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So yeah. there's a definite, I mean, we had a hard time finding uh, good used cars on the lower end. Now there's a lot on the higher end, but still, even then we were finding cars, 170,000 miles, a 2006, and it was still going for $10,000. And it's like crazy. Yeah, <laughs> Without having my, any context, except what you said, that just seems like, isn't that like a $500 car? That's isn't what that, I would have thought. I mean, my, exactly. my PT cruiser two, three years ago, uh, when we were getting it from my uncle, we looked it up on Kelly Blue Book. It's in good condition. We'll, we'll you know, we'll we'll say it's in good. Uh, it's got this many miles and stuff, and it was like fourteen hundred dollars, give or take. It, you know, is what it'd be worth. Okay, not bad. Well, now two years, three years later, whatever, it's in fair condition. It's in the bottom percentage. Things are falling apart. It's got issues. It's got thirty thousand more miles. It's still worth twelve. Because of the market. Because of the market. That's what? Yeah. You know, I, I wonder how much this matters. I remember reading, like, we had a big thing in the United States to clean up our air. Remember, we used to have cities blanketed yeah. by smog and been a lot of all the emphysema, all of the various different uh, 
breathing diseases were caused by having all that particulate in the air. So they did the right thing with get rid of leaded gas and do catalytic converters and all that kind of stuff. And what I have read a number of times now is that, you know, so they make things here in the United States and they comply with all those regulations, but the whole world doesn't have those regulations. And there's a whole nother market for when things start failing, their catalytic converter tests here, because you have to go to get that done. They don't put a new catalytic converter in, they send that off to Mexico or Kamchatka or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like where they, they, they don't have the same standards. And I, I like the fact that they can get some kind of car where they couldn't get any kind of car otherwise, but it just seems really Western imperialist in some <laughs> ways to say, we know you're, we're selling you something that we decided was too dangerous for us, but here, take on more risk. You, you get a car. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, and, and, I, <laughs> and even in America, we don't have the same standards. You know, we've got here in Portage, the, uh, e-checks that we have to get our card checked for the smog and all that but they're talking about closing those down and there's other places around us that don't have those so you know the air is shared it's not like the air stops in portage yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and have they I, really talked about doing that stopping having e-checks i sure did i hear they still? were talking about that partly because mm. covid i think started to prompt it uh, but I, I, I had read that they were going to have it be self done, you know, cause now they've got it so foolproof that you really can, oh, yeah. you know, um, plug your guy into the diagnostic and put the thing into your exhaust pipe and all that kind of stuff, but then closing down entirely and not checking that just seems like there's a people huge step back. There's people oh, for pushing God. that, but it's probably those people are probably invested in gas and they want cars to sell and they, you know, Oh, if it's cleaner, it, it runs better. But the people that were running on flat tires and poorly maintained cars are burning more oil. So that's what we want. Yeah. I, I, that totally is conspiracy on my part, but it would not surprise me. <laughs> I just would not be shocked. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, <laughs> we really don't often get into politics, but I like the certain policies that we've had. Remember, they had a buyback program, right? The, 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 you know, get rid of the junkers, get rid of the old cars where they were trying to get rid of cars that previously had been either grandfathered in or didn't have to comply because they had a certain, a couple of years left in them. Right. And when they found out that people were not taking it for a couple more years, but now they were driving it for 10 and it really was back to as bad as pollution from that particular car ever was, they were saying, can we just buy it from you and take it off your hands? You know, what can, What do we have to do to induce you to stop being the guy with the white exhaust? You're killing people with what you're doing. I I like those programs where the government actually asks, acts in the public interest that as much as you might think that everybody would make the best choice if they had the best information, that's just not the case. Anymore. No. There's any number of people that really are that selfish, that stupid, that it's like no matter how many inducements we give you we aren't going to do the right thing and they and they pull out terrible phrases like the nanny state it's like we're we're not trying to get you to do anything that you shouldn't be doing and shouldn't is a provable thing like this is poison this is pollution i guess the reason that i i take back what i said earlier i can't believe that they're getting rid of e-checks there really has been this weird movement towards another way in which we're getting unregulated that instead of having better gas mileage standards and instead of having better pollution standards we're actually like yeah don't worry about that uh horrible pool of coal tailings that's gonna one day break its banks and go drown a town you just don't have to get that checked anymore and, yeah. and whoever's doing that that not even resource um it's like resource manipulation and resource i can't think of a bad enough word they know that they're producing pollution so bad that it should be like shot into the heart of the sun instead of sitting in a pool in the mountains somewhere. Right. Yep. There's money to be made. And they, I'm trying to think well, what I know of coal, you know, there's bituminous versus anthracite. There's various different degrees of coal and they're getting now to where they used all the easy, good stuff that is the most efficient and the least polluting and so forth. And they're wanting to continue their industry. So now they're going into the worser stuff and it produces even worse pollutants. And yet they're not acting as if, this stuff is three times as lethal. And I pulled that number out of the air. They're acting as if, yeah, the standards we had when it was relatively clean, we put scrubbers on some of the things so they get rid of the pollution before it even comes out. 
a lot well, of that seems to be being loosened, if not eliminated entirely. And thank God we don't live downstream from a Superfund site. You know what I mean? That we're not getting, uh, but there are places now with not only coal, but with fracking, with nuclear reactors, yeah. whatever the thing is, that they loosen those standards. And I guess they figure, hey, if we're going to see a blip in cancer in a generation, oh, by that time I'll be retired. Right. Years, it'll we, take to show up in the population. Ah, I'll be gone. There, there's sci-fi oh. stories about that. I mean, even clear back to like Metropolis, where the haves live in the, the garden up top where all the have-nots are below. Uh, I think Elysium was the same thing. All the people with the money and controlled everything floated above the world and all the workers were like dying down on the world. There's multiple sci-fi stories like that. Absolutely. And we talked about this. There's a hundred levels and the people that are down here in the total scut yes. sewage area. Yes. yes. And, and we talked about that last night with the coal, you know, that uh, I know somebody who would, would not vote for any politician that wants to shut down the coal mines because they have friends that work there, but it's probably killing their friends. It's, unhealthy for all of the country for your right to continue the family tradition of dying early from black lung Why right are you fighting for that yeah exactly. just because oh it's a job but and i said why don't we spend a little money and retrain these people to build solar panels to install and repair solar panels to build windmills to transport windmills and create all these other energy uses train them for these jobs right. so they don't have to work in the coal mines and we can shut them down and make a step forward instead of, well, that's just how it is. Uh, you know, the big guys are making tons of money off the coal. So let the little workers scramble for the change we handle. That's what it is. Yeah. There are some programs that have been proposed exactly what you're talking about of let's, let's aid the transition to renewable energy by making sure that the people that are trapped in non-renewable energy, we retrain them. We get them you know, better jobs, safer for them, better for the environment, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know what the take rate is, but it hasn't been so magnificent that we're now a coalless right. economy. You know, I know that we do liquid natural gas nowadays, and that's been, um, there have been, there's been good progress made in getting things, huh, there's always trade-offs of getting things out of the ground and carbon sequestration and all that kind of stuff. So we've gotten to where at least we are energy independent, that we're no longer, you know, we could be even more in more problems because of Russian oil. If, and honestly, this is an entire topic. Ohio is one of those interesting places where they actually have proposed pipelines for how we're going to get some of our materials out of the ground and get them to the um, refineries. And unfortunately, the places that are proposing those things have a miserable track record with the safety of those lines. And so then they say, well, you know, while you've been telling me how safe these are, you had another bus right in this county and 40,000 gallons got out and either it's oil or it's uh, um, fracking water, wastewater. Yeah. There's so many different ways in which we seem to be like, we're not trying to take it on really. We're trying to overcome the uh, publicity nightmare when it's first proposed, kind of wait everybody out, not go to the entire community or the entire state, but work on individuals. Hey, you let us put a cricket in your yard and we'll be able to give you this kind of money. And hey, everybody else is doing it. So if you don't do it, you'll get left behind. There was even, wasn't even a whole movie like Matt Damon where they showed the sneaky tactics that they use to get this kind of stuff done. And then what do you get? Flames coming out of your faucet right. because they really didn't worry about groundwater enough. They didn't make sure that there were safety concerns every way up and down the, the whole process of it. Well, I kind of can't believe that's happening in the United States. You know what I mean? That we used to be the model for, right. we just, we just don't, don't do that stuff. We don't kill our own citizens. We don't, the people that are living nearby, but aren't concerned with the business, they shouldn't be like cannon fodder. And yet, and yet we are right. So. Well, just an indicator, <laughs> a, a little uh, pointer at how the thinking really goes is if you buy a gasoline car, you register it every year and you're good. But if you buy one of those cars that you're not giving us money for gasoline and taxes from gasoline, we're going to tax you extra when you register your car. So you can't drive it until you pay us that money. I forgot to mention that. That's not encouraging. Chris, and we were new. We got the new, the new license of registration, and it was more expensive. It's yeah. like, 
how, how are you not encouraging people into hybrids? You're discouraging them from because it. well, Ohio, we're not getting the money from you. Idiot state. <laughs> we need because, the money. Yeah, I, I, we couldn't believe it. I mean, it's like, who do I write a letter to that says this is the, the most bad decision I've seen in that since I've lived in Ohio? Who wants to oh. you could write the letter to the people making the laws because they're the ones making the money off of the oil or the taxes or whatever. You're not yeah. going to get anywhere. That's the problem. Yeah. We have seen some progress. So like the city of Cleveland has all natural liquid, right? Uh, LPG liquid, not propane, natural gas buses so that they're, um, there's only water coming out. They're non-polluting and stuff like that. And that right. used to be quite a source of, you know, when, when a bus passed, you knew it because they were diesel and they were just putting out more unburnt, <laughs> you know, right. uh, bits into the air than ever before. So there's some progress being made, but not enough. I, uh, maybe an interesting way. So one of the joys of hybrids is that they're, you know, they are, they're, they maintain their good mileage because they have an electric system that all the, uh, what do they call it? You know, not refractive. The braking actually charges your battery up so that you can always be using some part of that. Right. And now we're moving not just hybrids, but to full electric cars. And I, nobody can ever bring that up for a discussion without somebody saying, yeah, but what about the electric plants and what's the real cost of that? And there's so much proof now that that kind of energy production is light years better than every one of the polluting cars that's doing its own thing. And yet somehow that meme persists because some people don't want well, progress. They don't want to believe that there really is a, a smarter way to do things different than what they've always had, different than my father right. had or different than I just, it's the weirdest thing how people, how about if you look it up before you post it? Right, exactly. And maybe, yourself, and I've oh, seen that too, you know, well, hold on, let's look at the costs of, you know, charging a car as opposed to the gas what really is the pollution and how much is it bad and but somebody has to do a study somebody has to find those numbers somebody has to look it up and compare it and i know like we always talk about well uh don't burn your leaves it's pollution don't do this but the problem is like 80 percent of all of our pollution come not 80 percent. i think it was like 40 to 50 percent uh, of all of our pollution is because of we eat meat it's the growing of the cows, the, the, the feed and stuff, the transporting, the slaughtering, the packaging, the putting it out in the market. That is almost half of all the pollution we create. So if I burn leaves, that's so infinitesimal, you won't even notice it. But if I buy a steak, I'm contributing more to the overall problem than the leaves are. But nobody wants to do anything or think about that. So all these little measures may help some, but really they're not helping as much as they, they could. Yeah. I, I must've been, I'm very guilty of that. You know what I mean? That I have all my little, I use, I use my blue bags for recycling and, and all that kind of stuff. When I know that my carbon footprint is not so much based on my own personal consumption, right. it's based on what systems am I buying into? And it That's goes right back to what we said. It's the marketing. It's the mindset that people don't know. So they've been told, uh, you know, recyclable bags, don't burn the leaves, put trash, you know, all these things. And now you should feel good about yourself and you're helping the environment. And wow, we're great. So when we're doing these other things, you're going to ignore it and not worry about it. So we can keep that. I, exactly. The distraction over here is going to stop you from really, you know, the United States is not uh, us. We don't have a checkbook and we don't have to manage it that way. But one of the things we could learn is, so if I had debt, how do I do my stuff? I pay off the highest interest rate first. I, you know, I, I show progress in the way that is the most damaging if I keep doing it. So just that, if we looked at where we really have problems with carbon or pollutants, and we said, we're going to take on those things first, you really should be doing not, hey, I took care of my tin cans, my aluminum cans, but I took on the beef industry. Yeah. <laughs> made sure that we did made progress there. I hope that we will see that in our lifetime, that someone actually has it's not that we don't have those numbers. We have numbers that people immediately start trying to defy them and, and um, make it as if they're not real. But just like climate change, if you've got 100 scientists and 97 of them are saying this thing, I don't pay much attention to the three. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I, you know, like Listen to what they have to say as to why those things. But most of the time, you can kind of count on. If you were to go on who wants to be a millionaire, What's the best way to get to a right answer? 
It's not to have an expert in your corner. It's not to have half and half choices. It's to ask the audience because kind of like any other kind of judging, you'll get rid of the outriders out of a hundred people. You'll have the wackos at each end, but then the, the whatever communal wisdom of people is pretty good. And so I bring that back to here. If you've got a whole bunch of people that really are experts and care to have learned how to do this well, they're not all in the pocket of industry. They're not all solar people. Right. They're scientists. This is like, how have we debated this for 25 years now about whether global warming is real? Because people decided that being an expert, being smart, following statistics, we decided that, nope, I just don't want to believe that. So I'm going to disregard it. And here we are with worse weather and the Arctic breaking up, the Antarctic ice, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> and the problem is people get and believe all their information from Facebook memes. And well, my neighbor told me this. Well, who the hell is your neighbor? Who cares? Right. You know, exactly. And just At because one point, the yeah, entire it's, world. It's, it's in a meme. It's <laughs> and and the, people don't want to believe this, but there are other countries trying to destabilize us that create those memes solely for the fact that they know we're going to have people believing it and it's going to cause chaos and problems. And then we're focused on this instead of what we really need to focus on. Uh, I, you know, that's, that's happening. It's out there. It's uh, so anyway, at some point, a billion people are going to sign a card to Al Gore and say, we're so sorry. You said all the right things. You 20 years ago, you told us what the deal was and we wouldn't listen and look how fucked we are now. We can still recover. We kind of have to. We only got the one planet, but the, someone's going to have to say he was right about bleaching of coral reefs. He was right about uh, diseases becoming from the difference in climate at what different. He was right about everything in his book. And we've just marched along and said, wow, that's scary, but let's make that real. Let's, let's do all those bad things. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. well. So that's right. Al Gore, resident smart person. There we go. Okay. So Hopefully next week I'll update you on my car situation. I hope so too. And Hey, so, yeah, you know, take care of yourself. Stress is a killer. I know you're under terrible things from work and I'm just back from California with my own set of stress, but now home is home. And so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, stress fit in, people fit in some, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go conquer the world in civilization or something like that. Because I need good. to like have something feel like it's under control. Well, <laughs> I, I'm working extra this weekend. Colin's okay. taking off. So I'm getting a little extra work in. So hopefully the people that come in aren't going to be grumpy that they enjoy comics and want to talk a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, but next weekend I'm going to the supernatural convention in Chicago. So I am so looking Ooh. forward to that. That's okay. going to be my, I'm, I'm pushing through all of this stuff that's going on right now. Give that as your reward. That's yeah. cool. Wonderful. Absolutely. We'll, we, we'll need a big report on that too. Very. Oh good. yeah. Right. I'll, I'll <laughs> pictures and all sorts of stuff for you. Wonderful. Thank you, Stephen. As always, a pleasure. Take later, care. man. Talk to you later. Okay. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on geek topics of the week. <laughs>